Welcome to What It Is Your Part Documentary Part Roundtable Podcast with the sprinkling of competition. My name's Ellie Main, and joining me as I have every week is my favorite friend, Chelsea Harfouche. Chelsea, we just got back from the beach. Let's go to the beach each. Nikki Majaj. We just got back from the beach. Yes, but I think I told you at the end of our beach trip uh, that now that I have gotten back into the water, I will not be not swimming. Oh, that's correct. Yeah. You also told me that you were planning on moving to the sea and creating anklets. Yeah. No, that was really important. That's a big part of it, I feel like. Yeah. And I feel like by the end of the weekend, I basically had Connor on board. Like at first he was like, I don't live by the beach. And then I was like, okay, but consider you're in the shack. Mamba brings you a fish. And he's like, now that is compelling. Mamba like (laughs) running up the like sand dune with like a little fish in his mouth. Father. I have a fish. I've brought you a fish. I've simply brought you a fish, father. I've brought you one fish, father. I love that. You know what I was thinking about, Ellie? Please, please, please tell me, please. How many times have we talked about Titanic on this podcast? When you told my (laughs) ultimate favorite story about (laughs) your stanhood for the Titanic, I... I, I was like, I need to go back and, and figure out just how many how many topics have been either direct or adjacent. Yes. <laughs> or how many times it's just come up in general conversation. It is like a th- it's like a through thread of this podcast for no reason. No, that's what I'm saying is I feel like um <laughs> I feel like we are dangerously close to like accidentally making a Titanic podcast. Well, I think season three, you just call it what? A Titanic podcast and change nothing about it. (laughs) (laughs) And some people will be like, wait, when did they talk about the Titanic? And others will know. In a way, always. Like, actually, it's part of it. And if you would believe it, Ellie, one of my five fun fast facts is Titanic adjacent. Yes! And that was not planned. It just is true. I'm in love with it. I am in love with it. Carry on. So as you might know, yesterday was the Oscars, which obviously Uh, we missed. (laughs) Right. You know, because we watch it every time, which every year. But yes, we missed it again. Do you remember when we used to work in the same office, RIP and Peace, when people would always talk about the Super Bowl and we'd be like, we missed it again? (laughs) Every year. Every (laughs) year I missed it. (laughs) It was always the big game. Didn't matter what it was. It was just the bi- Did we miss the big game? Fuck. Oh. Every year I do this. Every year I miss that big, big game. <laughs> just any time anyone would mention sports. We missed the big game of movies last right. night. Right. But I am kind of bummed I missed this one because apparently it was very weird. And I've something that, I that's literally the only review I've seen is that it's, it was strange. And that is compelling to me. Well, I learned something that helped me understand why it was strange, which is that apparently it was produced by Steven Soderbergh. They were like, hey, you're a little weirdo, aren't you? Do you want to make our semi-virtual Oscars? And he was like, he's like, absolutely, I do. Yes, I do, yes. It's very strange. It's full of strange camera angles. They changed like the timing of a lot of things. And then here's what I think is the strangest thing. And there's kind of a conspiracy theory looming around it, which is... I mean, God, who knows? But like, I'm very invested in this narrative. So, you know, Chadwick Boseman, true RIP in peace. Chadwick Boseman was nominated posthumously for an Oscar for his performance in Ma Rainey. And everyone thought he was going to get it. The Oscars have a history of awarding like great actors posthumously like Heath Ledger. So everyone thought that Chadwick Boseman was going to get it. And then here's something weird. 
forever, the Oscars have ended with Best Picture, which kind of makes sense. It brings sure. everything home. They're like, what is the, they're like, okay, we've- The definitive movie of the year. Yeah, we've fucked around. We've talked about art. We've talked about hair. We've talked about acting. What's the movie? This year, they didn't do that. They ended with Best Actor. They did a movie before they did any of the acting things. And then they ended with Best Actor. So they're like, here comes that definitive moment. They tribute the R.I.P. in peace. Yes. That's literally what everybody thought was they were like, and it seems as though that is what like the producers and like the sort of creative team behind the broadcast of the Oscars thought was like, wouldn't it be such a beautiful note to end on giving this Oscar posthumously to Chadwick Boseman's friends and family on his behalf? Well, he didn't win. Anthony Hopkins won for some movie that nobody's seen called The Father, which I've heard is very good, but nobody has seen it. And he wasn't even there. He didn't attend. Because he's old as hell, right? Yeah, he's like in his he's like in his mid eighties. He was at home in Wales, and yeah. uh, he's like, "Cool, well, there's a pandemic, and I'm not actually gonna make it." So he won, and apparently Joaquin Phoenix, who was the one delivering, you know, the announcement because it's always the previous year's winner. Okay, he was so confused, he like stumbled over his words. Like you could see it in his face. <laughs> it had real like La La Land moonlight energy, where he's like, "And the winner is." I, I'm sorry, that's not how you spell Chadwick Boseman. Hold I'm on. So sorry. Hang on. <laughs> Are we sure this is live? Right. <laughs> Right, we're Shit. doing this? So it was Anthony Hopkins and then <laughs> <Adele> poor Anthony <laughs> Poor sweet Anthony Hopkins, you can find it online, recorded like a video message from like literally a moor in Wales. Yes, <laughs> like he's outside he's on weirdest. a moor. I've been following him on TikTok since the beginning of the pandemic and it's like yeah. his insane paintings and then him staring at camera and going, 133 days. Oh yeah, no, it's, I love Anthony Hopkins. This is absolutely no shade to Anthony Hopkins because what I was going to say was his message was was just all about Chadwick Boseman and it was very sweet. Oh, good. Do you think yeah. he got the note and was like, wow, well. He's like, well, this is awkward. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that was absolutely the energy. So in honor of a very weird Oscars, an end to a very strange Oscars season and a very strange Oscars night. Yeah. Uh, I have five fun fast facts movie trivia edition. Ooh, I'm here for and that. And I think you're going to have a lot of fun. So the first one is... Did you know that the only X-rated film to ever win Best Picture at the Oscars was Midnight Cowboy <laughs> in 1969? What's the worst thing that happens in the movie in terms um, of a rating? Really, the worst thing that happens is uh, sex. Right. This is from a time when like, they couldn't show the women's uh, belly buttons on Gilligan's Island. Okay, yeah. Sure, okay. They were really having a moment. This one is sad, and also something you probably know. A woman did not win Best Director until 2009. Yeah. Yeah. And that was Catherine Bigelow. Chelsea, that's the thing that you have to know. We just don't know how. Is that they simply don't retain how. I mean, to be fair, I can barely get the men in my life to listen to me for more than five minutes on a one-to-one conversation. (laughs) So how am I supposed to direct, like, a crew of, like, hundreds? You know what I mean? Exactly. (laughs) But moving on, Catherine Bigelow, also, I don't know if you know this, uh, was used to be married to James Cameron, a.k.a. director of Titanic. <laughs> is that number and this, three? And no, just that, that itself is not the fact. The fact is that, did you know that James Cameron's the one that drew the naked picture of Kate Winslet? No! It's true. Oh. It's true. He just didn't think that the other one was, like, good enough. Cool. Well. Yeah. <laughs> is it? 
No, like, it's not. <laughs> okay, this next one is my fucking favorite. Did you know that Toy Story 2 was almost completely deleted when it was yeah. 90% done? They have something at Pixar called the Master Machine, which I have to guess is where like everybody's computer, like the master server that everybody's computer is yeah. connected to so that everybody can work on different parts of the movie simultaneously. You can have like hundreds of animators working at the same time. Yeah. Somebody accidentally deleted <gasps> it from the Master Machine and they were like, oh god and then somebody was like don't worry (sighs) this is pixar this is one of the biggest movie franchises in the world obviously we have like a backup thing that makes regular backups so we'll only lose like half of today's work there's no universe in which we lose like years of work and he was like oh thank god and then somebody went and checked and they said okay so the backup has failed and there are no backups (laughs) and then everyone said oh so this is the moment in which we panic oh okay but it turned out Miracle at Pixar, the technical director of the film, just happened to have like a burn copy that uh, she was working on from home so that she could work from home, which is why we should all be working from home from now on forever so that we have multiple redundancies of everything we're doing. The Toy Story 2 clause. Yeah, it's the Toy Story 2 initiative. Otherwise, who knows what we could lose if we were all in the same place. This is what she did. She wrapped her computer in blankets and set it on the backseat of her car. And then... Uh, because it's like, in- I, you you know that you have hundreds, if not thousands of millions of dollars. Oh, yeah. On that one machine. Holy oh, shit. Yeah. It says that she carried the laptop into Pixar like an Egyptian pharaoh. And it says, it, then oh after that, God. it does say, while work had been lost, Sussman's backup files limited the damage significantly. A heart attack of an experience. I know. Yeah. Oh my God, I'd lose my mind. Okay, and then final fifth fact. Did you know that Hannibal Lecter, Norman Bates, and Leatherface from uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre are all inspired by the same real serial killer? No. Yes. I did not uh, know that. Yes. They're all inspired by Ed Gein, who Ew. is very spooky. And he made masks and lampshades from human skin. Uh, and they Ew. were all over his house. But not books. That's just for doctors. <laughs> not books. That's just for doctors. So you should. But I mean, if you think about it, you're like, oh, there is like kind of like a fun skin thing happening across all these fictional people. <laughs> A fun skinnergy, if you will. Uh, I love it. Jesse, without knowing it, you have stumbled upon a very central part of my topic in one of your five fun fast facts. And it was a throwaway <gasps> comment, if anything. Oh my God. Okay, wait. What a clue. What a clue. My title is A Place to Be Seen Dead In. A Place to Be Seen Dead In. A place to be seen dead in, and it had something to do. I mean, okay, I talked about Catherine Bigelow and the Middle East. I talked about James Cameron and that I heard he wasn't nice. Um, <laughs> talked about deleting Toy Story and how I would simply unalive <laughs> and Skinnergy. I think it was probably a quote. Oh, a place to be seen dead in. What could it be? Oh, oh, is it about pharaohs? It's a pharaoh-adjacent story, yes. It's a pharaoh-adjacent story. Okay, yeah. why am I not surprised? Ellie Main's bringing the pharaoh-adjacent I told you earlier, I was. Re- it's a real return to form. I went horny for a week and it scared me, and so I'm going back <laughs> to what I know. <laughs> to where I'm comfortable, which is with the pharaohs, obviously. Which is <laughs> with the pharaohs. Is it about, like, a glass coffin? 
Ew, no, but that would be gross. Uh, Snow White might beg to differ, but okay, all right, go off. Why don't you get um, juicy? Be disgusting. Yeah, well, you know, some of us are simply just planning to be beautiful forever. So okay, think about well, that. What's that? <laughs> God, I don't know. I feel like I started out so strong figuring out Pharaoh. Is it about a a pyramid? A a pyramid? A pyramid is also adjacent. Oh my god. I want to be surprised. Okay, I'll take you there. She'll take me there. What's your topic? My topic is, and I'm so excited, (laughs) the second library of Alexandria. Oh. I mean, are we also talking ancient history? No. All right. But it will make (laughs) sense why it's called that. I feel like when you and I have been, shall we say, altered... Uh, we have definitely talked about like our mutual love or just sort of like fascination with the library of Alexandria. Just the idea that there was all this information that now we'll just like never have. <laughs> Do you mean drunk? Yeah, I did. I did. Okay. Mean, I did mean drunk. <laughs> like, altered. Yeah, no, I've definitely. Yeah, I that has always been very fascinating. OK, so the second library of Alexandria, does that is like a are you talking about kind of is it a metaphor or a real another library? Both. Oh, my. Uh, modern? Modern, yes. Is this something about the internet? Yes. <gasps> Internet's is. part of it. Usually is with you. It's um, true. I bet it's about some sort of like lost website or um, is it about Yahoo Answers ending? No, but that would be fun. <laughs> but you're getting very close. I think you're going to be excited. Am I going to be surprised and delighted, Chelsea? I think it's going to surprise and delight you. Perfect. And me, I'm simply going first. So (laughs) did you know that Egypt, I guess just to start with Egypt, since we were talking about pharaohs and the Library of Alexandria and everything, ranks 163rd out of 180 countries for freedom of press? Whoa, I did not know that. Yeah, it's pretty rough. I mean, as you know, like Egypt has gone through a few regime changes recently. Right. With the Arab Spring and then, you know, uh, CC taking power. But all throughout that, you know, it has actually been very difficult to get true, clear information to just like everyday Egyptian citizens where they know exactly what's going on in the government. I think especially like in the age of the internet, it's easy for us in other countries to sometimes forget that because we can read so much about places like Egypt or Vietnam (laughs) and what's going on. And it doesn't always occur to us that that same information isn't flowing as freely. Or like maybe another good example is like in, you know, China, there's a lot of like government censorship that happens in China, right? Uh, I know our friend Max has a lot of thoughts about this. And I'll say that I haven't independently verified this and it kind of feels like a thing that like teens would lie about. But there's a lot of like TikToks going around right now where they say that like TikTok has recently rolled out a captioning function where like if you turn the the caption filter on it will just automatically caption your videos which seems like a really cool thing but then now there's a bunch of videos where tiktokers are saying the caption algorithm which was ostensibly made in china since tiktok is a chinese product yeah won't translate certain phrases like it won't transcribe certain phrases one of them for example would be tiananmen square massacre (laughs) the massacre that happened in china in 1989 if you say tiananmen square it will just give like a jumble of letters whoa okay 
Yeah. So again, like this is something that's like, it's hard to prove. It's a little bit subjective, but it is one example. I mean, it's caught fire because it's absolutely something that it seems like China would do. Chinese government officials would do. So there's an organization called the Reporters Without Borders, like similar to Doctors Without Borders. It's an international nonprofit. And their whole thing is about how to how to support freedom of press all over the world, especially in countries or global regions where oppressive leaders or oppressive regimes are trying to silence journalists. Right. Or like, again, like in the case of say, maybe North Korea, um, where the government heavily manipulates messaging that comes through to everyday citizens. Yeah. So they got together last year, or I guess probably in 2019. And they said, what if we created a virtual library. I'm going to create a library that is so virtual. (laughs) I'm going to create a library that is so free that anyone in Egypt, Vietnam, North Korea, Saudi Arabia, or Mexico, or Russia, or any of these countries that have a history of manipulating the press, uh, any citizen can log on and read not just Western journalism, but also because some of these countries are in technically in the West, which is a weird phrase anyway, so I should stop using it. But not only can they read journalism from all around the globe, they can read poetry and fiction and like banned works from their country. You can access the writings of Jamal Khashoggi, who, if you don't remember, is the uh, journalist who was murdered and dismembered in... Did you hear? Do you remember this story? You'd have to refresh me. No worries. Do you know about MBS, Mohammed bin Salman, the crown prince of Saudi Arabia? Yes. Yeah. So you know how he's like not super nice? Yeah. Mm hmm. Yeah. 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 So on his allegedly, but like alleged in the most thinnest of ways, like literally only politically allegedly, like right. <laughs> Mohammed bin Salman had Jamal Khashoggi, who was a Saudi Arabian journalist who wrote for the Washington Post, murdered and dismembered in the Turkish consulate in Turkey. Wow. Okay. Yeah. It was really fucked up. We said we would protect this guy. And (laughs) he lived in the United States and worked for the Washington Post and wrote very critically about some of the human rights violations that were happening under MBS in Saudi Arabia. And he was murdered for it. And then they were basically like, yeah, I mean, you know, it happened. What are you what are you going to do? I'm I'm a literal (laughs) prince. That's what we do. That's what we do. Like, it is kind of like a a weird thing where it's like, yeah, uh, I don't understand why you let your citizens talk shit about you. We don't we don't fuck with that over here. So they wanted to create a library, the Reports Without Borders, where all of these people's all these like incredible journalists and writers and scholars work could be accessed by literally anyone. But they had to figure out a way to get this kind of library around any possible government firewall. That's what I was going to say. Surely it has to be like unbannable. Right. And that's like almost impossible, right? Like, yeah, all these countries we're talking about, they have like government control over their internet access. So it's not just even about like, you know, sometimes we hear about like um, in the United States, the US government trying to find like pirating sites, for example, and they have to go like site by site and ban each of them and like work with different internet service providers to ban each website. In some of these countries, the 
internet is like state controlled and state run. So all they have to do is they can block it on like a government level. And like nobody, if you're in that country, you can't access it. Uh, So they wanted to make sure that this was truly accessible by everyone. You don't have to pay money, like for example, for a VPN or something to get it. You wouldn't have to have complicated technical knowledge. You know, maybe even a child could do it. Uh Uh-huh. Guess where they put this library. Even a child could do it. I feel like that's part of it. Is it like in a in a video game? It's in Minecraft. No. Yes. And when you see it, it is incredible. Really? So they had a yes, they had a team of builders of like Minecraft builders who worked for months to build this just incredible I've watched like YouTube videos where like players will walk through it they've built the entire space so that it feels huge and like like a big um, old library when you walk through the world as a Minecraft player it's visually resplendent which in a way is like it matters right like they're trying to say that like these words and this this journalism matters so they created something that felt worthy of that they didn't want it to feel just tongue in cheek you know like that you go in a cave and there's like a right. little like cave sign that says <laughs> Jamal Khashoggi, RIP in peace. <laughs> it's incredible. Here, I'm going to send in our patron chat a link so you can see some of the photos. What's so cool about this is that you can either get a link to the server so you can go online, but again, online via Minecraft. So there's no way for like the government to shut it down unless they were going to shut down all of Minecraft. And that kind of goes against like, a bread and circus mentality that a lot of these oppressive regimes have. Or you can also download an offline copy so that you don't even have to be connected to the internet. This is one of the coolest things I've ever seen. Oh, yeah. It is so cool. You go into each section of the library. Right now, like I said, they're really focusing on these six countries, which is Russia, Mexico, Egypt, Vietnam, and Saudi Arabia. Yeah. You go into the sections for those six countries and each one is ornately designed in order to kind of tell a story about the current state of journalism in that country. So like, for example, when you go to when you go to Vietnam, there's a labyrinth that you can walk through like a real like Minecraft labyrinth. Uh, You go through the labyrinth in order to reach the little like book table in the center that has all the journalism in it so that you can really kind of like reflect on what it would feel like to have to go through these many, this many hoops to access just like basic information. They also list for each of those countries. Like I said, when I said earlier that Egypt is 163rd out of 180, that number for each country is listed in its individual section, uh, you can learn more about the state of government censorship in each country. And then when you go into that book, it just has dozens and dozens of articles and poems and essays and all this information wow. that has been banned in each of these countries. And anybody in the world can access it and it's completely free. That's so cool. I'm just looking at this picture of like the central dome of this library. Obviously everything's pixel arts, Minecraft. They have like the flag of every country around a stained glass dome. It, it looks like one of those grand national buildings. It looks amazing. Mm-hmm. That's it so is. freaking cool. 
It is amazing. And it's like, I guess for me, like, you know, why this was such a, as you were saying about yours, and we'll see, like a classic Chelsea, what topic and why this like immediately, I just fell in love with it, is it is this intersection between the sort of like public activism. And also, I think it marks a paradigm shift in really rethinking like what video games can do. I mean, this is like, obviously, this isn't the first or only thing. And, and I guess one of the things that's kind of a bummer is that this was first announced March 12th of 2020. So it really got overwhelmed by a different global right. story. Doesn't matter which one. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, but so, you know, I, I think over the years, we're seeing this like big paradigm shift about how we think about video games. And I know obviously in our friend circle, this is something that we have felt for a really long time, which is that like the concept of a video game is so limitless uh, yeah. and it has so much just unlimited potential that it is beyond reductive. It's just completely outdated and obsolete to talk about it as like, I don't know, some like activity or diversion. That, yeah. A waste of time that rots your brain. Like it, it's beyond that. Like it's, it is maybe our best educational tool. Like I truly believe that. I truly believe that like the best way to educate most children or a large amount of children is to give them interactive experiences. Uh, and, and entertaining ones. Yeah, entertaining and interactive experiences where they're engaging in real time with like practical applications. And the only way that you can do that at scale is digitally. Yeah. You can't create a children's museum for, you know, a hundred million children, but you can create a Minecraft children's museum or like a VR space where children can do physics experiments or fly through space, learn about different animals or witness like, I don't know, the growth of civilizations uh, <laughs> in a time lapse. You can do all those things digitally. Similar with like, you know, we're seeing a lot of applications with VR and AR for medicine. I think about, um, do you remember, did you see Prometheus? Did we go see that together? I don't know if we saw it. To, I mean, I've definitely seen it. Okay. When did it come out? And it came out in 2012. You're absolutely right. So there's no way that we saw that together. I don't know what weird memory I'm inventing in my brain. But do you remember the part where she has to do surgery on herself? Yeah. And basically like that AR thing comes down over, like an overlays on her body. Yeah. And then a robot does the surgery. Yeah. Well, like think about like the practical applications of being able to like say like when you have medical students and you could have like, you could have a visual of the inside of the body on the outside oh, of the yeah. body while they're trying to like learn how to, I don't know, like palpate for tumors or something. Yeah. So anyway, so all these things. And then this the journalism, like journalism, I think obviously the digital age just rocks journalism in a, in a really hard way. That's why they've all put paywalls on, you know, all the major like players have put paywalls on all their articles, which I have another whole list of feelings about. Yeah. But, but you know, Twitter has really democratized public information. Yeah in a way that I think was really unforeseeable and the best journalists have been able to adapt to that and they understand how to use social media as a tool. And I do think the next step will be creating like fully digital spaces like this in Minecraft, which I think that Minecraft gets a weird, it's weird. Cause it's like, such a, like to me, like Minecraft is Legos. Like yeah. <laughs> it's so, it's so universal, right? It's so broad and open-ended as to be completely universal. There's right. no reason it's that, it should... that you could do anything you want 
with. Anything you want. And so for somebody to do something like this, and they're not the first, like I think like universities have experimented with like using Minecraft to like build event experiences or like to store public information like this. Yeah. But in this, this really radical kind of slap in the face to government censorship to say, well, there are so many parts of the digital world that you don't own and you'll never be able to own. It's one of the few things in the world that make me feel like, ah, God, I really cannot wait to see how this develops over the next like 50 years or so that I may or may not still be alive. I think that's so freaking cool. It's like, if you want to censor this, then you have to get into like suing a corporation. And I don't know, there's something like, uh, why are you suing a corporation? Oh, because they want people to have free access to information that's like a little bit too public for these places to do. <laughs> yeah. That's fucking awesome. Connor went to a Fortnite concert like early oh, yeah, in quarantine. Oh, I heard about this. Yeah, it was a, oh God, what's his name? Uh, Travis Scott. Travis Scott did a concert in Fortnite like two months into quarantine where it was yeah. like, all right, every come on kids. Y'all are having a hard time. Can't play with your friends. Uh, Everybody's sad. Let's do a concert. And it was, I remember him saying he was going to go do that. And I was like, okay. And I really honestly thought it was going to be like, sort of like when you watch a YouTube video of a song that has like a little like waveform visual that goes with it. Right. It was so cool. It was so much more complicated than that. It was like, I don't know, he got big and you could like climb on him and then he like rocketed it off to like another part of the world and you could like ride on him and then it like took you to like a big dance space and everybody was like dancing together and it was this huge like digital. I mean, it was a digital event that felt like worthy of talking about at the same time that you would talk about like an in-person event. Right, going to see a musician. Yeah, it fucking whipped. Uh, and I was like, I don't think that this is going to take the place of in-person events because they're just always going to be fundamentally different. And yeah. there's something very special about an in-person event. But I think that we're going to stop talking about this as like a poor alternative. Like they're no longer going to be alternatives. They're just going to be two different things. Like which yeah. thing do you want to do? Yeah. As they get more and more sophisticated, because only in digital space is there the opportunity to do a lot of like really weird surprises at scale that you just couldn't ever do in a big stadium with yeah. like 50,000 people or whatever. Some of the best artists right now are, I think are doing like really incredible stuff with music videos because like the way that we interact with music videos is so different than it was like 10 years ago, like 10 years ago or whatever. It was all about like TRL and you watch them on TV and you know, you had like event videos like Lady Gaga, but it was just like kind of like considered another marketing tool for selling an album because that's what everybody wanted to do is they want to sell their albums and go platinum. And now the current state of the music industry, which is all about streams, and trying to get as many streams as possible. Yeah. You see people do things that are really, really creative where they're making like song movies, you know, where like it might, it's just like, it's treated as a different creative experience. So it's like, yeah. are you going to go watch the 10 minute movie on YouTube or are you going to listen to the song on Spotify? So thinking in that way and then thinking about, well, what if you made those in-depth creative experiences, like you said, interactive? Yeah. Like what would you want a listener to feel and experience and walk through in relation to this song. Just thinking about it, I'm like, that's so fucking exciting. Yeah, I want to do that with cool. all my favorite songs. Like, It's kind of like if Second Life was good. Oh, damn. <laughs> Fuck, should that have been my title? God damn it. <laughs> anyway. 
So that's my topic. Dude, I love it. Can I take you through my points? Yes, please. Give me some points. Reporters Without Borders, fucking awesome. That's an instant plus two. The dismemberment of a journalist, though, is pretty fucking dark. Pretty rough. Yeah. So that was a minus two. But then the reveal of it being in Minecraft, the way that that made me feel and the comments that I read in our Discord, that's a plus eight. Aww. That was a really big moment. It was a freaking awesome reveal. I've written here what the actual fuck. So I'm going to give it two more points just off of that. And then you did remind me of the movie Prometheus, (laughs) which is going to be a minus four. (laughs) That's Um, fair. Was it a great movie? No. 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 Did Michael Fassbender touch everything? Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes, he did. He did. And then plus two for a Fortnite concert. So what is that? Let's add that up because I never do that. Let's do it. <laughs> Eight. Eight points overall. Oh my God. I'll take them. I'm going to take you on a journey. So I want you to imagine... We're seated in a yellow plastic laundry basket attached to two thick ropes and we're being lowered into the earth. No. Yes. Okay. (laughs) The light gets dimmer, the temperature colder, and a musty smell starts to fill the air. And the only sound is from the workmen above handling the ropes and yelling, Shwea. 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 One miscue and we could fall 100 feet. I prefer we didn't. (laughs) I know. Midway down the shaft, the walls take on this honeycomb pattern with large shelves carved into them. Thousands of years ago, they would have held painted coffins and mummies wrapped in linen and reeds. And while we descend further, the shaft narrows as we pass through a wood frame that supports the walls. Just above the bottom, Mm. water glistens. We are inside a burial shaft in Saqqara, an ancient necropolis roughly 19 miles south of Cairo. In recent months, a series of discoveries have captivated the world of archaeology. So you said you asked about pyramids. This is where the oldest surviving pyramid ever is. It's the 4,700-year-old Step Pyramid, which is about 200 years older than the famous pyramids at Giza that you've seen on, like, you know, anything <gasps> to do with Egypt ever. Right. Right. You, so, you might think that's the only thing in the whole country if you're not paying attention. There's, in fact, much, much more. <laughs> this site in Saqqara had been a burial ground for more than 3,000 years, and the stuff that's coming out of this region is insane. And it just keeps coming. There's actually an incredible documentary on Netflix about like the hidden secrets of Saqqara. But even since that has come out, they have made even bigger discoveries than they make in the documentary. Because I started this topic because I was like, oh, that's, I watched the documentary, thought it was awesome. And I was like, I'm going to do my topic about that. And then as I started researching, I was like, that's nothing compared to what's happened since. It's so cool. Damn, how mad must you be to have made that documentary though? And then just for it to be out of date, like... (laughs) what 18 months later i know but still (laughs) it still whips like don't get me wrong okay so the most significant find actually came in january 2021 this year archaeologists came upon inscriptions showing that the temple they were unearthing belonged to a previously unknown ancient queen and her name was queen nate n-e-i-t Mm-hmm. And she was the wife of this guy that they've known for known about for a while called King Teti, who was the first pharaoh of the 6th dynasty. So that's going to be like 4,300 years ago. Okay. Which is old kingdom Egypt, like oh, old, 
old history here. Light years away from Cleopatra, which is everybody's idea of what a pharaoh is like. Right. Yeah, no. Yeah. Way before that. So we're descending into the cemeterial netherworld below her temple of this temple, Queen Nate. So our basket touches the ground and as our eyes adjust to the darkness, we see two <laughs> limestone coffins on the floor. And both are broken, looted, probably more than 2,000 years ago. But the question was, as they had been unearthed, who had been buried here and how and why were their coffins lowered so far into the earth? And how did the thieves know where to look? Before this tomb was found, King Teti was thought to only have two wives, Iput and Kuit, whose like graves had been found, everything had been documented. But the realization that he had a third one, Nait, with her own temple, prompted a complete rethink of ancient, ancient pharaohic days. The guy who's sort of like in charge of this incredible archaeological site, they have to fight for funding all the time because Egypt doesn't have like, you know, their main industry is tourism. And so mm -hmm. when the coronavirus happened, like that cut off their main industry immediately. And right. so they started funneling a lot more money into archaeology so that they could get people to come back to visit the region once coronavirus had passed yeah they're kind of basically trying to figure out and rewrite some history with what they're finding and and it's incredible Saqqara this whole huge archaeological site was far more than just a cemetery though there are loads of people buried there it was actually their finding as they continue to unearth more and more of it it was more of a pilgrimage site, like an, like an ancient Mecca or something like that, like a Lord's that attracted people not just from Egypt, but from all over Eastern Mediterranean region. Mm -hmm. Because the buildings, like the Step Pyramid, were already thousands of years old at this time. People believed they were the burial places for gods and wanted to be buried close by because of their beliefs in the underworld. Like a lot of the underworld stuff was very physical to the point that like proximity really mattered. So not only like do we... Did they collect all of their riches, right, to take with them to the underworld and perform ceremonies and stuff to make life easier and or better in the underworld? They also believe like proximity to important people or to chosen people from the gods was a huge secret and part into getting into the underworld. That's something that I've always really enjoyed about reading about old religions is the just sort of like kind of practical immediateness of it, right? Yeah. It's just like, okay, well, there's a literal river. Yeah. <laughs> and you will be crossing it. So you're going to want to bring a snack for that. You're like, going to need a snack and some galoshes. <laughs> you're going to want a snack. You're going to want your special wet shoes. And you're, you're going to want to want your best outfit. Don't be forgetting your river shoes. God. So they've done these geophysical surveys because essentially that the, the archaeology season ends at Ramadan. And they mm -hmm. have to have enough evidence by Ramadan to get funding for the next season. And so many of the people who now work on these digs previously had tourism jobs. And so this is like their only income so there's this like race to find stuff before ramadan so they've done these geophysical surveys and they've revealed the remains of numerous different temples that are to this day still buried under the sand within these temples they've discovered millions of animal mummies including dogs cats birds that are believed to have to be left as offering so they would mummify important animals to like and they would mummify their pets because they were like well a dog with me in the afterlife i've heard that many times yeah but they found animals that have never been known to be mummified before recent finds of mummified cobras crocodiles 
dozens of like the household cats, dozens of cats, including for the first time ever, mummified lions were found in this te- in this temple. What the fuck? Yeah, I am. So the image I'm having in my mind right now, just so you know, is like of sort of like the old school cartoon mummy. Yeah, but like in the shape of all these. You know what I'm talking about? But like, instead of like it being like a humanoid shape. Right. And obviously that's not how it works, but like <laughs> it is the image that's in my head right now. What they find, because I, I, I did watch that documentary because it quips. What I find, yeah. what I found, what they kind of find, what they more look like is like a, um, it's like, <laughs> they look like a profile of an animal. They're very flat, wrapped up in bandages, and then they x-ray them and they're like basically bones within sand at that point, the animals, because they don't do all yeah. of the processes that they did for the people. But they only knew that it was a lion, really, because of the little drawing that they'd done of like the, the front-on face. <gasps> yes. <laughs> On the side of it, just like, because the cats that would, uh, they would, you know, they would look like a cat, but they were like, what, the, this one has like a long snout and it's so huge, like, what is this? And then they look- And they're like, oh shit. Yeah, they look to the bones and they're like, this is the first ever- mummified lion that we've ever found that's incredible which is so cool so the and the documentary was made in 2019 but a lot of the things that i'm talking about they only found in 2021 but the lion stuff's in the documentary and it rocks okay this is a this is a potentially very dumb question but this is something that i've always wondered when i've read things about mummification and how like they would often like bring their pets because i've heard i've heard that fact like thrown around or in passing but i haven't like dug into it and then now here i'm at these like more non-pet animals they killed those animals to be in there right yeah like that's, they didn't that's, just happen to find like a dead lion no, no that's like part of the sacrifice it's like that's that's right. part of earning the place in the underworld is offering f- animal sacrifices right but also that means okay, that they so, get to come with them yeah which is sick and like <laughs> imagine like rolling up to heaven with like a lion yeah just like this is my lion sorry uh, <laughs> but also imagine being the like temple priest or whoever's responsibility it was to go like you know it'll be like hey ellie you're gonna be getting the cats yeah. and miles if you could go ahead and find us like i don't know like a crow or two. Oh, and chelsea you're gonna be on lion um there's lion and we're gonna need at least three of them all right so so if you could just go ahead and, and find the lines and then also kill them and and also survive that cubs is good big ones better go ahead yeah so just <laughs> if you could if you get those back to us asap because you know Pharaoh is actively waiting well, to get to that afterlife. What freaking rules? And it makes me think of like a um, <laughs> sandbox game, like kind of like a Assassin's Creed or when you're in different level sections in Tomb Raider. While they've been unearthing all this cool stuff, right? You know how you're running around, you're collecting the relics and you're, <laughs> you're finding all the things in these games Mm -hmm. while they're doing that they're also unearthing the like npcs so (laughs) they found thriving businesses that they would assume were like coffin makers and mask makers and embalmers workshops and stuff there was like the whole death industries that they're also discovering as they find all these tombs which i think just is really cool (laughs) wow they've been able to ascertain coffin makers that have a range of budgets from the hieroglyphics so they've been like what kind of like how fancy do you want your coffin little like street businesses which i think is so fucking cool other insane things that they found recently they found a five thousand year old brewery 
which is believed at this point to be the world's oldest in a southern city. Hell yeah. Yeah, southern city of Sohag in Egypt. The beer was also used in burial rituals. That's the Saqqara tombs. In early February this year, they found 16 human burial chambers at the site of an ancient temple on the outskirts of the city of Alexandria. Two of the mummies had golden tongues, which the Egyptian Antiquities Ministry official said was to allow them to speak in the afterlife. <gasps> so they would have their, I love this so they would have much. their tongue taken out and replaced it with a tongue made of gold so that when they got to the afterlife, they could talk. Well, that's wild. <gasps> oh my goodness. Colton, we're talking mummies. Oh, we're talking mummies. I love mummies. <laughs> We are in the middle of like talking necropolis and yeah. it fucking whoops. There were okay, mummy cobras. Mummy cobras? Mummy yeah, cobras. Yeah, imagine cobra mummy but lions. make it mummy. Yeah. Like a little sweet little snake boy. You guys know I love snakes. But just like we're yes, I know. I love snakes tube. too. And we're just gonna wrap them on up, just like bound them up. And they're just they're just wrapped. I'm gonna throw them in the tombs. This also whips, guys, and like I feel like we really missed out on the fun news recently because earlier this year, archaeologists announced they'd unearthed a 3,000-year-old lost golden city in the southern city of Luxor in Egypt, which apparently is the biggest find since the tomb of the boy king Tutankhamun. Oh, and people get so hyped for Tutankhamun. I know. Wait, they found a city in the city? They lost a city that they lost within another city and they they found found that lost city in that (laughs) city. Exactly. Let's find it because they found it. And And this all happened in Egypt? This is happening in Egypt right now. I guess that's why, you know, shifting sands, who knows what's out there? Well, this is because they're going to find a city that is so lost. As I hinted on earlier, with with the government's hopes arising that more tourists will arrive as a result of them funding more archaeological digs, which previously, you know, you've seen a movie where they're like, they won't continue my dig. That's real. That's real life. Right. Super Mario Brothers. Right. Exactly. And right now, Egypt's really hurting for foreign currency, and and this is creating jobs for millions of people. In fact, kind of Egypt's whole tourism-dependent economy has suffered in the from the past decade because of you know the political chaos. And as Chelsea noted, being 160 something out of 180 in terms of freedom of press. Right. Yeah. And Gal Gadot is not helping. No. <laughs> yeah, let's not even talk about her. She didn't even deserve to be in the Fast and Furious franchise. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm done. No, no, Please no, 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 you're fine. So let's go back to Queen Teti. The Queen of Teti, sorry. So this idea that of the third wife, the third new wife that they found of Teti the King. Mm-hmm. Old Kingdom Times. This is brand new information, but it looks like <laughs> that Nate, Queen Nate, could also have been King Teti's daughter according to some of the inscriptions that they found around the pharaoh. And, I mean, incest would not have been new for the ancients. In fact, like in, cool. in like Egyptian lore, in their mythology, the god Osiris married... It's really married, old hat at that point. They know, the, Osiris married his sister Isis, and pharaohs are widely believed to have married their sisters and daughters, which is gross. But <laughs> that has been proved from like the sixth dynasty on and Mm -hmm. then we're talking the fifth dynasty so it's like we're unlocking a whole new chapter of ancient egyptian history here right in fact it'd be the first known example of egyptian history of a pharaoh marrying his daughter and then this part fucking whips so you know we went into that burial chamber and now we're coming out we've we've discovered who these people might be and we're going to walk just a little bit away across this huge ancient burial temple necropolis and we're going down another 36 feet into the ground into the space that's kind of the size of a walk-in closet and there are wooden coffins stacked in piles still painted 
red, all the paint still visible on these sarcophaguses. And they have the, you know, the intricate images of gods and goddesses that as like an eight-year-old in school, when you're learning about Egyptian history, you're like, fuck yes. Mm-hmm. I was all- that kid. Yeah. Oh my gosh, yes. me too. All of these coffins contain mummies, sarcophaguses, and they have found 54 coffins, 54 sarcophaguses, each named in this burial tomb which is an insane amount you say each each named like we like they were marked like we know who was in them yeah they will have their names on them yeah oh wow the team had traced yeah, the subterranean cemetery to the 18th and 19th dynasties of the egyptians new kingdom which is three thousand plus years ago mm-hmm. it appears from what they've managed to decipher from the hieroglyphics that this guy, King Teti, was worshipped as a god and his followers wanted to be buried around his pyramid and they would pay for the honor of being buried in, in like one of these little capsules in these giant underground tombs. Oh, I fuck with this so hard. <laughs> so they would be like, hey, we really think this guy's fucking dope and we want to be buried there too so that we have a better chance of going to the afterlife. So I want a two by four in like the 36 foot down chamber. Thanks so much. That's awesome. Do you think that like there are like <laughs> Egyptian high school yearbooks that was like most likely to like get buried with like <laughs> most likely the to go person? to the afterlife with King Tessie? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, probably. That's what we were talking about just a little bit right before you got on, Colton, is like something that I have always loved about studying like these ancient religions, like these ancient cultures is um they're philosophical and religious thought was so immediate like it was so one-to-one yes. of like well if you're gonna cross a river it's not a metaphorical river you're crossing a river right you need a river snack or you need <laughs> you need to be like you need to be with this guy because he's got his ticket and you don't have your ticket so you need to stow away in this guy's like uh, mausoleum mm-hmm. or you're like never gonna yeah. get there and you and don't worry because you can just pay for it yeah it's fine yeah and that makes sense inside of these coffins are like miniature wooden Boats, games, pottery, tiny bits of gold, uh, all the stuff that they would need in the afterlife. So basically, like, if, yeah, if you were like a middle class bloke in Egypt and you like really thought that King Teti knew what he was talking about, you would go and be like, hello, I would like one of these cubicles, please. And then you're going to pack up all the things that you like when you, <laughs> you're going to get your, your family to most likely like, you know, your house servants to pack up everything you like, put it in your box and have it taken down to your slot so that you can go with them to the afterlife. Among the artifacts discovered were pieces of a 15 foot long papyrus that had texts of the, from the Book of the Dead, which are spells written by priests to help deceased pass to the underworld and into the afterlife. And then there are also shards of pottery found in the rubble that unveiled completely new details of ancient life and many were imported which is new evidence that trade had flourished between egypt palestine cyprus crete and syria and then there are some of the discoveries that completely defy explanation they have no idea how or why they are there or who they are this archaeological site is brimming it's insane i'm so excited to see what they continue to find one burial shaft which is 63 feet deep there's a 20 ton sarcophagus the size of a humvee made of granite oh that's ghosts which the size of an rv wait hold on say that one more Wait, a sarcophagus. A sarcophagus the size 63 of a Humvee. 63 feet deep, a 20 ton sarcophagus the size of a Humvee made of granite. 
well damn they don't know what's inside like they don't like they they haven't opened it or they haven't been able to like get yet get everything that they need in there to open it and and see what's going on well i mean it's gonna it's gonna be ghosts <laughs> i mean i just saw godzilla versus kong so that's yeah. like a hole to the hollow earth if you ask me that's yeah, a no man very careful that's a leave it alone yeah oh it's a big no man from me dog. Yeah. sometimes you come across stuff like that and you're like you know maybe we should just like leave this closed or like you know like maybe yeah. we shouldn't <laughs> maybe we shouldn't fuck with that that's probably demons. Apparently, they've only really scratched the surface of what it is at this place, and it's going to take 20 years to fully uncover the secrets of Saqqara. It's most likely that the narrative of ancient history and ancient Egyptian history that we grew up with, which is like, you know, every kid in elementary school's crack, is going to be mm-hmm. super different once this excavation is over. We're going to know so much more, and there's likely to be discoveries with the same significance of Tutankhamun, which, as Chelsea said, any Egyptologist creams their genes for. So super right. excited about that. And that's, yeah, that's my topic. I just got really into this archaeological site, and I want to know what's there, and I will be keeping an eye on it. I love this. Thank you. You're getting, like, very into my space that I always love, which is, like, endlessly and shamelessly reminding people that, like, civilization began in Mesopotamia. Yeah. This might be one of our most, like, thematically consistent episodes ever. Because it isn't all just, like, the Hurt Locker. It is, like, (laughs) uh, thousands and thousands of years of civilization, like, technical achievement. And, of course, the Titanic. This is actually a Titanic podcast, Colton. I'm so glad that you could be here for it. draw me. We figured that out that like everything keeps just coming back to the titanic it's real circle every time so i mean most things do come back to the titanic you know they say that when the tight that some people like to believe my some people being me and only me that the the titanic hitting the iceberg that that was the big bang yeah i haven't heard that one but it instantly makes sense it's actually true so there's your fact bang actually the titanic hit the iceberg was the big bang and in circles mm-hmm. we keep on going yeah it's like everything it reverberated in both directions throughout time yeah. exactly and we're still only just now discovering how far back it went from 1912 All things start and end with the titanic yeah always forever well it's so funny cuz also un completely unrelated um but i was saying to uh, Connor and Celia earlier when we were eating dinner like can you imagine trying to explain like the concept of fast food like it's trying to explain like what a McDonald's is to like one of like for Connor like one of like your Irish ancestors that was like living through the famine oh gosh and just being like yeah and like how like just incomprehensible that would be and then I was like well fuck that was only like a, what like a couple hundred years ago 150 years ago uh, imagine explaining like I don't know. I get very like high thought, hashtag high thought about thinking about trying to communicate, like even just like communicate. Oh, yeah. With people from like 5,000 years ago. Like even if I had like a special, you know, VR thing that would like translate their language into my language. Like, I don't even think oh, it would just, it that would we could speak so about alien. Yeah, it's yes. it's too far gone, too too different. You know, it's like a lot of a lot of stuff that even beyond language, a lot of sort of like basic stuff would probably just seem like completely foreign and like bizarre. And uh, it's 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 yeah. you're you you it be it also moves beyond sort of language and like you have to explain like conceptually things um, that yeah. are right. just like so so out there like things we take for the- granted. I mean, you know, little kids grow up now with. You know, I mean, it's a, it's, you know, classic example of like, you know, old people don't understand the internet or computers or whatever. And like kids grow up with it. And it's just like a second yeah. language to them. But it's like computers and shit are complicated. But, um, uh, you know, it's right. because, you know, especially with a lot of younger people, you know, it's, yeah, it's, 
you, you just kind of know it. You kind of know the shit because you're just around it. And so, yeah, it's, it's just conceptually there's so much to explain about uh, anything, yeah. everything. I think that's the true with any kind of um, period-shifting Freaky Friday show or movie that it's like <laughs> in no way would that be like a fun, enjoyable adventure. <laughs> yeah. Right. It would be horrific. It would be. I like the idea of explaining to Connor's uh, like ancestors. It's like, yeah, Grandpa, and you know, and sometimes the potatoes get cold and they just toss them out at the McDonald's, you know? I can step outside my door and I can enjoy food from any corner of the world. Yeah. I can simply like wish into existence basically any food that I want from any corner of the world. And I am a poor to medium person. Yeah. In like, it, like in the world. I'm thinking I want a delicacy from the far east. Make it happen. <laughs> Make it so. <laughs> Make it so. I wonder what people would, would think about. It's like, oh, you know, like, because, you know, at that time, you know, when people couldn't travel the world, it's like, what do you mean cuisine from the far east? These people don't know what cuisine from, you know, uh, anywhere right. else in the world is. The Irish, they just knew potatoes for a while, <laughs> you know? It's like, that's, that's, that's right. you know, that's wild in itself. That's what they had. Yeah. As people, we continue it's to get angry. worse. And so, hooray for us. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we do. We just really do. I'm such a piece of shit. <laughs> You're anyway. all such pieces of shit. Thank you, Colton. <laughs> oh. Not me. Colton, I'm great. thanks. Score me. You want me to point to you? Okay, Eleanor. Oh, my God. The visions that you conjured for Thank me. You. The movie that played in my mind oh. while you told that topic is now one of my top 10 favorite movies and I will be writing about it on Letterboxd. Yes. So <gasps> that's going to be a, a 10 for the top 10 favorite movies. Thanks. I am going to give you one more point oh for the, just the, like I said, the visual of the mummy cobras and the mummy lions because yeah. that was strong. Thank you. <laughs> but then you reminded me that they tried to reboot the mummy with Tom Cruise in place of Brendan Fraser a couple years ago. <laughs> and that wasn't cool, Ellie. That wasn't cool, actually. That was a mistake that they made. So I'm going to take away two points That's for that. Fair. That makes sense. But <laughs> I am going to give a point back Jeez, this how is much I could tell that you really tried to correctly pronounce all of the names of the ancient Egyptian oh, kings and queens. Anna, thank you for that. I'm sure I did a horrific job, but I did try. <laughs> I don't think you did a horrific job. I mean, I, I don't speak I don't speak that type of... Well, I don't speak any type of... Why am I trying to pretend like I speak Arabic? But <laughs> the even the Arabic that I am familiar with is not Egyptian Arabic, so I am absolutely not an authority. I think knowing you and, and how seriously you take it, I'm sure that you did a good job. Oh. Thanks, Charles. You're welcome. Colton, thank you for being a bonus. <laughs> oh yeah, of course. I'm always happy to be a bonus. Oh my god. Are we gonna we have love a, a bonus the, Colton? Are we gonna have like a, a Colton in the chair, a friend of the pod, man in the shadows, wind in our wings? Yes. To all of those things. <laughs> I love that for us. Well, Chelsea, where can people find you? People can find me at Chelsea Harfouche, wherever internets are sold, all the way up to the Minecraft uncensored library. I'm not in there. You're not there yet. Come on. I am hoping to not be censored in any country. Oh, so not me. <laughs> not me. I'm looking. I'm looking I to can't be. Wait. Also, I just want everyone who's listening at home to this podcast to know that right now uh, in our Patreon chat where our patrons of the show get to listen to us record ellie is apologizing to somebody because because the show is already over <laughs> uh and it's the most british thing i've ever seen <laughs> so sorry there oh, i'm so we sorry have actually we finished did recording. do the show yes it is done 
You can you can find me at Ellie Main on Instagram and Ellie Maney on Twitter. And you can find the show at WhatPod on Twitter and Instagram and Pinterest. And you can find our website at those two girls.club. Also, if you could give this a little screenshot and um or give us a review on iTunes, that would be really helpful. It's always helpful to help grow the pod. And if you guys have fun, we want other people to have fun too. And that sounds rad to share it. And um, so thanks, Chelsea. And thanks, Colton, for popping in. How fun. Of course, of course. If you're uh, if you're listening to this on your phone and you want to, you can take a screenshot just of whatever mobile platform you listen to podcasts on, send it to us, tag us. We love to see it. I'd love to know what you thought of the episode. Yeah. Uh, Ellie doesn't care. Ellie's what? like, do not tell me. <laughs> Ellie's like, if you tell, tell me, me what you thought of this I episode. I can't handle if you say it was bad. <laughs> And I can. <laughs> I'll only cry medium. Now, this is becoming very emotionally manipulative. Feel free to say whatever you want about our show. But only that it's good. Okay, so in the next week, maybe, I don't know, go learn something. Hey, Colton. Yes, Chelsea. I'm going to need you to keep it loose. Keep it tight. Say your prayers at night. What? What? <laughs> 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 <laughs>